Hey, 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 closet busters and bold move makers. It is time once again for Life Uncloset. So I want you to gather around because it is time once again to kick down those closet doors of your life. We're here to escape our BS, explore our fears, and elevate our self-expression. I'm your host, Rick Clemens. I'm the bold move expert and that coming out guy who's going to take you to the party, the pulpit, the wake, and back to the party of living your life uncloset. So come on along with me and grab hold of yourself and get ready to step out, step up, and step into facing your fears, making your bold moves, and living life without apologies. Now let's get to the show. Oh, she's a bad mommy, 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 mommy. Of course, that's what some would say. But then there's some that would go, no, she's just unapologetically like a fuck you sort of, I'm going to survive and thrive my way. And this is why I have this guest coming on, because you know what? Whatever your uncloseted story, whatever living life on your terms is all about, sometimes you just got to literally strip it all away and show your truth. She's a soccer mom who has a whole memoir of life loss and lap dances. Can't wait to get into this one. And she is unapologetically who she is. That's why I ask author Marcy Warhaf to come on the podcast and talk about her book, which is The Good Stripper as well as her podcast. And I can tell we're going to have fun. She's got me laughing already. I think we're going to be potty mouths maybe on this one. So if you don't like that, well, fuck you. This is where we're going today. So anyway, Marcy, welcome, welcome, welcome from the great land of Canada. So glad to have you here. I am so excited to be here. I'm so excited to be here. Thank you so much. Let's do this. Let's do this. Let's just take it all off and get down and dirty. So um <laughs> You know, here's what I loved about when I found you. Um, I was like, I think this could be somebody I could go. I think we could be best girlfriends, number one. It's like, <laughs> it's because let's live our fucking truth. I mean, my God, we can't hide who we are, or where we come from, right? So you are a soccer mom. I the was, past. Yeah, my kids are grown up. Yeah. 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 And, and, and I did wow. it at the same time. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I did too. I came out at the same time my kids were growing up. I'm like, get, guess what? You got daddy in the house now, girls. So, it's... well, I came out later. I was doing, oh my God. It was such a, I, by the time I came out, they were like, oh, is that it? That's <laughs> it. The rest really? of my story was so insane. Nothing surprised. <laughs> nothing surprised. I, I almost, I almost wanted to make a joke and I'm going to go ahead and make it. I'm like, I kind of almost feel like Marcy probably came out of the womb. Like, where's my pole? Where's my pole? Come on. I'm ready oh! to dance. You know what? Kind of. It's so true. I didn't listen. I only, the stripping part, I only stripped for a very short period of time, for a few months, but it's significant because of, you know, what was going on in my life at the time. And the stripping was part of a secret double life that went on for years. So it was a, it was a pretty insane time when my kids were, were little and it, it, it brought a lot of secrets. And then it was, I mean, I kept, I kept my secrets fiercely guarded for two decades until I said, screw that. And I let them all, <laughs> I let them all out. In the but it's so possible. painful. I mean, it's so painful yeah. keeping those secrets and living a double life and like, well, I can't make this move or so I do this move. And then what if somebody find out? Well, wait, it's like making chess moves that you're not, uh, do I make that? Uh, you know, it's it, so much fear. It's there's yes. so much. It, and that's where you're, you're driven by fear. So it was, I mean, my double, the whole double life thing, I mean, that was, that was a, a quite a long time ago, but then it was, it was even after I got out of it and I was doing all these really respectable things and it was part of my past because I hadn't dealt with it because I was carrying so mm. much shame around it that I, I couldn't get past it because my fear was, okay, so I'm not the same person anymore, but what if people find out? What if my kids mm -hmm. find out? 
what if I'm on TV talking about body image for kids and somebody's wife <laughs> calls up and is like, you don't know her the way I, you know, and then all of a sudden my whole life blows up and I've br- yep. ruined my kids. And it, so that was terrifying. And I was, I also, I couldn't, I felt like I couldn't be fully me because mm-hmm. it was almost like you didn't want people to look too close because what else right. would they find? And then every new person you meet, you're also going, okay, how much do I tell them? And right. when do I tell them? And what are they going to, so you really can't, it's, honestly, it's so exhausting. <laughs> and I think maybe I just was getting older and I'm like, eh, it's too tiring. I just, I don't want to. It's too tiring. <laughs> I used no. to be really, as my, you know, as my career around all of this started to happen. And again, kind of like you, I had a whole different life. And then after I came out and I'm like, okay, well, I'm going to go do something else in my world. I was sick of being a marketing branding guy, but I couldn't really let go of it because I'm like, well, but this is safe. This is comfortable, right? And then when I started realizing, no, I'm going to help other people in midlife come out of the closet. And then things started to happen. One of the big, first big things was you know, being on national TV on the Ricky Lake show. And I'm like, oh, this is kind of cool. This will be kind of interesting, cool. right? And I'm like, well, wait. <laughs> what about all those guys that I screwed around with while I was married? What if one of them sees me on TV and then, you know, I'm like, ah, you know, so I had to come clean with my ex. Like, okay, you know, this was happening a whole lot more than you, you really know. She's like, yeah, I know. I'm like, you did. And she goes, I suspected. So, you know, but it was like, okay, but I'm going on national TV and talking about this, you know? And even to this day, every once in a while when I get on a stage and I'm kind of like you at this point, I'm like, I really don't give a fuck. This is, mm-hmm. I'm, I'm almost 60 years old. So this is what I've done. This is who I am. And this is, this is, this is now what you get. Every once in a while, I'm like, is there going to be somebody in the audience when I'm speaking on stage? It's like, oh, I knew you went. Well, yeah, you did. And guess what? You were in that bathroom stall right next to me doing the nasty <laughs> too. So do what? Shall we have a talk about this right now? I'm more than willing to do it. I bet you aren't, you know? So uh, exactly. it, it is one of those interesting things. But um, what was like a, you know, here you got kids, you're doing all these different things. What was like that thing that you would say, I'm starting to realize if this doesn't happen, I'm basically screwed. If you don't like move forward. Like if I don't get out of what, the secret part? I yeah, the secret part. Those. Well, see, that was the thing. I had I had a few of those. I was, I was really, I had a lot of trauma in my life and that, and then I was in a bad relationship and most of my family had died young. And so I really didn't have anyone around me. And the person I did have did not have my back. And so that's what set me off into almost dissociating and living this double life. And uh, I, I got out of it. Why did I get it? Oh, my God. I got out of it the first time <laughs> because, oh, Lord, have mercy. I literally, okay, this was way back when I didn't have, I had a, my cell phone didn't do anything with the Internet. We had our computer yep. in the basement and I would get up because I was obsessed with working out, I would get up in the middle of the night and I would, my routine was I'd go into the basement, go onto the computer, check my emails, go to the gym, come back. And one day uh, I had gone, see, this is the thing I had, this was the thing I had the most shame about. And now I'm just telling it. But uh, one day I woke up early and I went down to the basement and I turned up my emails and I had three emails from three wives, three angry emails. Yeah, all the same. And I was like, oh shit. And I realized, honestly, I realized then that I was hurting other people. Like I was being promiscuous because my marriage was screwed and, and I really felt worthless. Like I really felt like the, my only worth was as like a sexual being. And so, and I, I really had very low self-worth at this time. And so I didn't care 
that I was putting my life in danger and that I was kind of wrecking my life. But I, yep. I, I was worried about my children, sort of their, mm-hmm. them finding out about me. But I was also, when I realized, oh my God, I'm impacting other people. Yeah. That was like a smack in the face. And I thought, I, yep. I don't want to do that anymore. So that was what I said to my, my husband at the time, no more. I said, I don't want to do this anymore. I want out of this. I need to take care of myself. Um, and I really, I got healthy emotionally, physically. And that was kind of when I stopped all the craziness and really got into writing and became the body image advocate and was on TV and in magazines and all of that. But I had never dealt with the shame. I'd never yep. dealt with the, the stuff that I had done. And like I said, I, I didn't want anyone to know. So I almost had a, a kind of a mini breakdown where I thought, how can I be talking about telling other people how to be confident and have self-esteem when I felt like I was hypocritical, like I was just living this sham. I'm not such a good person. If they knew what I was really like, and it was still in a marriage that wasn't great and supportive. And I stuck with it for so long because again, I felt like, well, you know, I, I should just be happy with what I have because I'm lucky that anybody likes me. Like I really had so, so low self-worth. And then I, I just, I actually went through a really tough point. My, my kids were teenagers and I would spend every day I would drive them to school and on my way back, I would pass an underpass and I would think, huh, like if I turn the wheel a little bit to the right, would it be quick? Would it hurt? Would anyone miss me? You know, it's like for a year or two years every day. And then I, I had this weird random interaction with this woman at the grocery store one day and she saw a light in me that I thought was gone. Like I had, I was like, dropped my kids off at school. I was going home to cry my eyes out, fix myself before going to pick them up. And she said, she saw me all the time at the grocery store. And I always had this spark. And I'm like, who is she talking about? Like it, it, it screwed me up so much in my head. Cause I'm like, me, like I'm going to like binge and watch top chef and cry Ah. before I go to get my kids. What is that? And, but it, it, it put something in my brain. Like maybe I'm not done yet. Like maybe, I thought I was done. Like I thought I had no more strength left. I was just out of whatever light I ever had was gone. But someone, a stranger saw something in me. And I thought, okay, maybe, maybe there's something there. And that gave me kind of this incentive to like, no, you're not done yet. You're not done. This isn't where your story ends. It's that cliche of you didn't make it this far to only go this far kind of thing. And that's when I decided I'm going to make some changes. And part of that was leaving my marriage. And That was a tough thing to do because again, I didn't have any family. Um, I, you know, I'd never, I had gotten married quite young, had been married for 24 years, never paid a bill in my life, didn't know how to do anything and had to learn everything. And it was still the best decision Hmm. that I ever made. And you know, I, I think it still took me a few years to figure out who I was. And it wasn't until I was turning 50 that I realized that I had more years behind me than ahead of me. Yep. And I did not want to, end my life with any secrets. I didn't want to end my life with any shame. And it was then I decided to write my book because I thought, fuck it. Like I had been through a lot. And really the big change was, and I say this all the time, but I had spent so many years criticizing myself for how I had survived my traumas instead of being proud of myself because I had survived my trauma. Mm -hmm. And that was the big change. When I stopped hating who I was and realized I was doing the best I could at that time. Well, we, we all are. We're all doing the best we can in the moment we're given each moment. That's and it. I remember that Absolutely. when I was, when I was going through my coach certification and, and, you know, that was like, that was like 
a year of therapy in and of itself. Like, oh my gosh, I'm going to be helping people do this. But I remember when my instructor said, and actually it wasn't my instructor, it was actually the president of the organization, said, just remember this one thing when you're coaching people, everybody's doing the best they have with the moment they're given. Even the guy who murders somebody, he's doing the best he had with that moment because that's where they were. That's the best they could do in that moment. And at first I'm like, fuck that, that's bullshit. I'm like, well, wait, that actually kind of makes sense. Maybe that's the best they can do there. But it's eerie to hear you share this because there were a couple of things you brought up. So it's almost like I feel like I'm talking to my my kindred spirit in so many ways because that hiding and everything was exactly how I felt. I was having these illicit like, you know, affairs on the side. Not really, I wouldn't call them affairs because there was hardly ever a repeat, right? It was like one, right. once and done and off we went, right? And I'm like always having the thought, but every once in a while it crossed my mind, what, what, what if my daughter saw me? And my kids were young, so they're very, very young. So there wasn't, that wasn't going to happen to begin with. But I, I didn't feel that way quite so much with my ex-wife. Like I almost, it was almost like I taunted to get caught. Right. And then when it finally happened that I'm like, okay, I met this guy in London. That's how the story goes. And he, he changed everything. Mm. And I flew back from London to California. I was on a business trip and I decided on that flight home. I was, this was it. I'm going, I'm going to say I'm gay and I'm going to come out. And I landed in LAX, had to drive to Orange County, California. And I remember telling my wife, I'm home, seeing another hour and a half. And when we get home, I really need to talk to you about something, which was the shittiest thing I could have done. Cause you know, poor gal, <laughs> the whole time she's like, what, what, you know, we have to uh, talk. Yeah. We have to talk <laughs> the entire time that I was driving from LAX to Orange County. I kept looking at at my mirror like semis that i would be pulling in front of going what if what uh, just turn the wheel man just turn the wheel it'll be quick it'll be easy it'll be done overpasses what if i just turned and went up on the you know if i just went up on the bank and rolled over and then like well i'd hurt somebody else and even when i was thinking about the semis i'm like well that's gonna hurt i mean hello southern california (laughs) it's gonna hurt a lot of people (laughs) if i do this shit rick so but it was eerie like i was feeling i was like reliving that sitting in the car and I don't know that anybody other than somebody who's lived through these deep moments of life can really relate. And I don't care if it's what we've done, the stuff we've did or coming out of a, you know, illicit affair or coming out of a cancer scare that you don't really want to talk about with somebody, any of these things, like you want to, you, you lost your job and you don't want to come home and tell your spouse or even friends, like everybody thinks you're this. In fact, how I start one of my talks was, I talk about sneaking up the back stairs, trying to get to my office so nobody could see me. And it's really interesting because the crowd's like, what the fuck is he doing? Right. And he's talking about this and sneaking up. And then I get caught by my assistant, you know, and in that moment busted, you know, I'd been caught, but they're like, well, caught about what? And then I change it to like, you know, here's the interesting thing. Everybody thought Rick was a really great guy, super dad, super husband, you know, da, 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 da. but there was a secret, you know, and that's the thing is those secrets And you said something early on about the shame. Those secrets tied to those shame and that guilt. Oof, It's hell to live in that body when you're having body and mind when you're having those things. So not only that, sorry, continue. No, no, no. No, Yeah. Move forward here. Because you know what else though? Here's, here's the big thing. And this, I wish I knew such a long time ago. 
but what we're feeling, the fear around it is so much worse than the reality of it. So exactly, you know, the secrets, here are these things that I was terrified. And I'm telling you, like I, I talk about a book. There was one day way back when my kids were young and I just finished doing a body image workshop at school because that's what I used to do. Once I was, it, I, it, it was probably 10 years after I had done anything, stripping or anything promiscuous right. or anything. But I'm walking through the grocery store and a man walks by and he kind of looked at me weird. And my younger son said, why is that man looking at you? Now, mm. maybe he thought he knew me. Maybe he was trying to flirt. And my, my thought was, oh my God, did he see me naked? Did I have sex with him? Do I not remember? Like that was right. my thought. But I was so terrified that something in front of the kid. So that, that fear is so terrifying. But I will tell you that, especially, so when I wrote my book, and I let, and I said everything. I mean, I put in mm -hmm. all the stuff that was my, I was so terrified about when I, and I told my kids some of it because right. you know, they're not going to read it. They don't want to read. I'm very open and very, very honest in my book. And you don't want to read about your mother in those situations. But I remember I, I explained to them saying, you know, I made some mistakes and, but I really, my whole, the whole time was, like I said, I was, I felt no self-worth. So I was, Kind of allowing myself to be sexualized but i also wanted to be the best mother ever so i I'd, I'd go days without sleeping because i was just never not there i would go to the strip club and then get home four o'clock in the morning go to the gym come back take a shower be up with the kids like i would go days without sleeping and i was always mm -hmm. there for them and i said you know i i made mistakes and my older son he said to me you keep saying you made mistakes but you also keep saying that you wanted to be the best mom and you were so maybe those weren't such big mistakes you know, and, mm -hmm. and my younger son was like, when did this happen? We didn't know because I was always there. So sure. my biggest fear, people whose opinion I really cared about were my children. And they were like, we got your back. Don't worry. Right. So all those years, you know, all this fear was for nothing. And then here again, all this stuff that I, like you, you went to Ricky Lake here. I'm, I, I put it in a book and I get to tell right. everybody about it. And here I am exposing everything, expecting, okay. I'm waiting, I'm waiting for the whole world to collapse. Nope. Nope, it didn't. You know, in fact, it just, people went, some people were like, oh God, I wish I knew I would have helped. Yeah. Or, oh, now I understand that. Maybe, you know, there were things, but, but I didn't, my life did not get worse because I told the truth at all. And I think that's the thing is we, in our heads, especially if we don't talk about it, because we think that we've done these horrible things that no one else has done. And then you, when you say stuff and people go, like you just did. Wait, I had that experience. I had that experience, that experience too. Mm -hmm. You realize, oh, we're just human. We we're are just human. just human. We're all connected in our weird, funky, <laughs> fucked up realities, right? And I love what you said about fear because I was working on a speech a few years ago and we had this really great line of fears are only as great as we give them power. And I remember mm -hmm. the first time I said that, I'm like, oh, that really fits, you know, and, and fears are fueled by your excuses and excuses are fueled by your fears. So we had this tug of war going on. I do this whole tug of war thing on stage, right? Until I say, but if you don't tug of war with your fears or your excuses, they don't exist, then what? You're capable of anything. Yeah. And I think it's really powerful when we start to see this in our own selves, because I was constantly in that tug of war. I was like, well, okay, I'm up off hooking up with guys, but clean up, straighten up, you know, come home. Oh, super dad, super husband, super guy at work. Right. And that tug of war was killing me. It was exhausting me. 
like you, I didn't sleep well. I still don't sleep well, but that's a whole nother thing. I'm a 60-year-old <laughs> yeah, guy, and it's like, okay, the fifth time getting up to pee all night. Thank you very much. Um, but it's an interesting space that I've I've talked to other people who have not come out of the closet or had illicit affairs or anything, and they're like, yes, but that tug of war about the fears of wanting to leave my job and go to something that really matters. It's mm-hmm. exhausting. And they hold it and they hold it and they hold it, right? We're all human. That's the thing. So and in, what's the in, fear? What it like right. the, the, that's what kill it. You know, I'll tell you something. I came out so late and I didn't even even when I left my marriage, I hadn't come out yet. And it wasn't that I was closeted, it was that I really there were so many reasons at that point I thought I can't be gay, even though there were so many things saying that I was. But but <laughs> I think it was for me, actually, if I hadn't written the book, I don't know, I don't hard to say because I think when I wrote the book and I was so honest about myself it was such a liberating feeling that Mm -hmm. it was almost addictive I thought okay like now I feel like there's there's this quote something about how once you ruin your reputation you're free to do whatever you want because you've already Mm -hmm. ruined it so what's gonna and there was something in that where I felt like okay so what else you know what what else am I not allowing myself to be what am I holding this is it like you have who knows how much time I have and that was when I was like, that's it, fuck it. Like, and I knew this was this was the thing for me. And I knew that I was queer, but it took me, it did take me a while for, again, so many reasons. I mean, I think coming up so late, I mean, I was 50 and mm. you really feel like you missed the boat. Like I thought I had no right yep. to come out so late. I thought who, no one's gonna, no one's gonna accept me. You know, right. how, how, how am I, even though I had, and I talked about my book, I had had my first experience back when I was like 31 you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and, and at that time I knew that I wanted to explore that side of me, but again, I was married. I had two kids and I thought that would be selfish. It yep. would be selfish of me to explore that side of me because I made this commitment and this is the right thing to do, the right thing to do. And so I had to convince myself that it was just a phase or it was yep. just her or, you know, and you try and I, and I did pretty well for a while. And and then realized why I wasn't connecting with, listen, I tried a wide assortment and selection of men after my divorce. <laughs> I gave it a shot. I gave um, it my best shot. I really did. <laughs> I know it makes me laugh. I have to say, but, but I, I still, I still I want to kick myself. I remember a couple of years before I came out, I was on a date and it was a great date. Like I remember thinking, good, nice guy. We got along well, good looking guy. We were like walking by the water somewhere and it was really nice. And I thought to myself, this is such a great date. The only thing to make it better was with a woman. And still, yeah. I still was like, no, maybe I'm yeah, maybe not. <laughs> maybe, maybe I'm not, not gay. Yeah. You know, but I but you, I do. But <laughs> uh, you do get to a point where it's like, uh, at this point. Just, yes, but that word you brought up, selfish. Yeah. Everybody I've worked with, everybody I've ever talked to about coming out, about being themselves, about going and doing whatever they want to do in the world. It doesn't even have to be about being gay. I have heard that word used so many times. Well, people say it would be selfish. As a gay man, everybody, you know, as, as queer people. So let's go there. Oh, they're just selfish. They just want it to be all about them. They don't want to have children. I'm like, well, bitch, listen, I have two kids. So sorry, you're wrong there. So um, I wanted children. I really wanted kids. And that's not why I impregnated mommy and had them, right? But mm-hmm. it's always interesting how embedded that is in our DNA as humans that anything that rocks the boat is selfish, you mm-hmm. know? 
Well, I find it being self-caring to go do that. Mm -hmm. If I didn't come out and be truly myself, I'm being selfish to myself. Mm -hmm. And in a way, in actually a bigger way, I'm actually being selfish to the world because if you don't know who I really am and what Rick's all about and who really Rick is meant to be, you're having a pretend relationship with this guy because he's not being real. Exactly. And it's huge. And so it's not selfish. And, you know, I'm not no. going to get into all the ones who think it's that and all that stuff. It's like, well, guess what? You're being selfish because you're not admitting something about yourself. That's the reason I am pushing your button, pushing your button, mm -hmm. pushing your button mm -hmm. by standing. And I'm not saying I'm perfect. I'm just saying because I choose to be open about who I am and and live my truth. And, and I, yeah, I do put it out there. You know, I wear it on my sleeve. There's no doubt about it doesn't mean I'm doing it from a place of ego. It's just, I don't, I don't, I don't need to hide. I'm done. No, I'm tired Do you really of think hiding. it is part of it? Mm. I think it's that if people, there are people who are not living the lives that they want to live. They're living the exactly. lives, whether it's a job, whether it's a relationship, whatever it is, they're living the life that they are expected to live. And if they can condemn it for other people, if they can convince themselves that, that the people who are living freely and openly are doing something wrong, then they can feel okay with their choice. But if they see that people are living openly and honestly and they're happy and they're healthy, yes. then they it's going to make them feel much more trapped. Like, oh my God, that's an option, but I, I don't have that option. So it's their fear that's putting the shame on us. It's not, it has nothing to do yeah. with us. And I say all the time, if I get to the end of my life and like, my life choices make you uncomfortable, I would rather my life makes you uncomfortable than my life makes me uncomfortable. You'll survive if you're uncomfortable yep. with my life. I might not. I won't. I have to I be won't. comfortable. Yep. A few years ago, I was, I, and he has since become a friend of mine, but I was working with a guy who, like, literally the epitome of just a handsome, good looking, hot guy, you know, and no self esteem whatsoever. Mm. And, you know, we we're working through this. And I mean, Jim Bunny all the way, like, and it's like, okay, I'm like, and you know, once I got to know him, I knew I could push the buttons. So he's like, you know, and I, I haven't had sex in like two years. I'm like, are you fucking serious, man? If I had that body, <laughs> I would be getting laid every hour. Just saying, I would be putting it out there. Like, let's go boys. Right. Yeah. And he goes, yeah, he goes, you know, it, it's actually, it's actually really exhausting to have what I have. I said, it's exhausting because you don't know how to embrace it and love it, man. He goes, yeah, but, you know, working at it all the time. I said, then why do you work at it? Well, because this is what feeds me now. I I, I have to go to the gym. I'm like, but you're, I, here's the bottom line, man. Are you happy? It got really quiet, just like it did just then. Mm -hmm. It took him a very long time to finally say no. I'm like, then I want you to remember that tonight. And I said, I'm not telling you not to go to the gym, but I want you to remember tonight or tomorrow or the next day when you walk in the gym, Ask yourself, is this making me happy? Is it bringing me what I really want? And that was a game-changing moment for him because he's like, and again, beautiful guy. I'm not going to say he went to hell in a handbasket because, hey, once you have those habits, you can pretty much maintain them. But he shifted why he was doing the gym mm -hmm. and why he wanted his, you know, <laughs> guns and six-pack ab and gorgeous bubble. But not that I ever saw it, so to speak. But, uh, <laughs> but um, you know, it's just, it shifted how he saw himself and within six months he was in a really great relationship and mm -hmm. the gym was a part of his joy not a part of his drudgery and 
he actually started going, yeah, I didn't go to the gym this whole week. He goes, that's okay. I've got this week. And of course, there were moments he's like, I'm freaking out. I put on two pounds. I'm like, fuck you, bitch. Yeah. <laughs> two and pounds, now, you know? Please. Listen, just, that's, that's my story, right? I was I had an eating disorder. I was obsessed right, with right. going to the gym. I belonged to two 24-hour gyms because one had the audacity to close at Christmas. Like, I was there at 2 o'clock in the morning because I couldn't understand how people – between one o'clock in the morning and six o'clock in the morning. How is anyone sleeping? And that's, and there's time there to work out. I don't understand people who don't say they have time to work out. Like to me, sleep was for lazy people. Um, although I could understand it, I wasn't judging other people. I judged myself. And I think I was in the same position where I felt like if I didn't look a certain way, then yeah. I, was, I wasn't worth anything. Or people expected that of me. People expected me to look a certain way. And if I didn't, then, they weren't, then there was going to be nothing of me to like. There wasn't, an, I wasn't smart enough. I wasn't interesting enough. I wasn't anything else enough. So I better look yeah. like a fitness model kind of thing. And, and, right. and listen, I, as great as I, I, and there were times I have pictures of when I was bodybuilding and, and all of that, but I missed vacations with my family because I didn't think I looked good enough. I missed friends weddings because I didn't think I looked good enough. I mean, it's the pressure is crazy. And I'll tell mm -hmm. you now, I mean, I still, I, I dance on social media and put up silly videos and stuff. And, and I'm somebody who more recently it's cold here in Canada in the winter and I hibernate and I love my cookies and you know and I've put on some weight and I I posted a video yesterday dancing and I could see that I'm and in the past I never would have posted a video where if you look a month ago I and I was like oh this is where I am now like I'm heavier now than I was six months ago or two years ago or five years ago yeah but that's it like what is worse about me like what what's different okay i put on a little weight okay but what else mm -hmm. like what so what did that do bad um am i less interesting no i think i've gotten a lot more interesting in the last few years am i you know am i less funny am i less no i'm sassier i'm feistier i'm, I'm more confident so it, it really it it goes hand in hand like you were saying he had no confidence until he was so focused on his body because when your life is so small the only thing you can control is your body once yeah. you realize there's more to you than that, then there's room for other things, mm -hmm. you know? And, and, and so I'm, I'm, yeah, I totally relate to that. It's just, it's, it's the expectations that we put in ourselves because it's what we think other people want. And I heard you say on another, of one of your podcasts, actually, where you talk about how there are people who will feel trapped. They, maybe they're, they have a, a corner office as a CEO somewhere, but they really want to do something artsy with passion, or maybe there's something else in their life, but we feel like there's something wrong with us because we're, we don't want to do what's considered normal or what's expected of sure. us, you know, and that comes with everything. And I think that, that going back to, let's say my sexuality or even just being traditional, I've never, I love being a mom. I my kids are older now, but I love being a mom. However, I don't think I was ever traditional. I wasn't in the mom groups and you know, yep. I, I have a horrible cook. Uh, <laughs> I did it, but horribly. Um, but I think for so long, and I and I say this all the time, is that for so long, I felt like this damaged puzzle piece trying to squeeze myself into the puzzle, and I never quite fit. And what I realized, which was the game changer, it's not that I'm damaged. I was just trying to put myself in the wrong puzzle. You know, it wasn't me that was wrong. It was the puzzle. So I was trying to fit myself into a scenario that I thought I was supposed to be, because that's what we're told. And I think the biggest shame, the biggest shame is that so many of us, we waste so many years, instead of using our life to figure out who we are, we have yeah. to waste so much time unlearning who we're told we are. Once we've unlearned who we're told we are, 
then we can figure out who we are. But I wish we could, uh, we could miss that middle step of like years of people telling us who we're supposed to be, who we're supposed to be. Because it just, it, for me, I feel like, oh my God, I wasted so much <laughs> so much time. I mean, right. listen, I'm, I'm, I'm evolved and I learned and, and life took me in the directions it took me. But, but I think that's the shame is that our society really, it tells us who we are instead of supporting us and encouraging us to figure it out ourselves. Yes, but then, then people lose control or people get confronted with their own stuff that they see in somebody else. So they're like, exactly. Why do they get to do this? And I don't. And, exactly. and it, it's, it's one of the biggest, when I, there's a piece of one, well, several of my talks where I bring that up. Like there are some of you in this room right now that are looking at me, throwing daggers at me, not because of everything I've just shared with you, because I represent something in you that you wish you could do or be, or wish you could change. And I'm not saying that because I'm Jesus Christ superstar. Honestly, I'm saying, because I've been there, I've sat in that space. I sit in that space on the daily looking at somebody else and going, you're pissing me off. And mm -hmm. when I find somebody that really is pissing me off, except a few people like a former president in the United States here. Um, <laughs> yeah. I really look at myself. I really look at myself and go, okay, what about that person? What is the button getting pushed, Rick? What is the thing you mm -hmm. need to work on for yourself? It's very interesting when, when you can start to step into that fucking hard space of self-mastery and go, okay, bitch, wake up. Come on. This is because you're also, trying to learn the lesson. Yes. And it's also really, really important to get to the point when you know, so you know that, that when you are speaking and you are being authentic and, and somebody's looking at you with those daggers, you know that just as you said, they're looking at you that way, not because there's something wrong with you, but because you're you're showing them something in them. It's really important to get to that point where you're not, if you were in a different place, then you would see their face and go, oh God, maybe I'm doing something wrong. And and it's funny because I think about sometimes, like I said, I'll, I'll post little dance videos and whatever on social right. media. And, and I always say that for every message I get from someone saying, I love your spirit and I love your energy, I know that there are people going, oh God, she did another one. Oh, there she goes again. Yep. Like, I yep. know that. And there were times, I'm telling you, where I was going to post something and then I thought, oh, maybe I shouldn't. And then I'll think, wait a minute. People be there. Like, I know that there are people who'd be very disappointed that I even second guessed myself, you know? And yep. it happened the other day. I wasn't going to post something. And then I got a message from a woman just saying, you know, I got my first tattoo. Uh, I don't care what people think. Maybe it's because I'm turning 50 or maybe it's because I watch your videos. And I thought, you know what? That's a sign. Just, mm -hmm. just post yourself. Because again, my thing is if I'm posting something silly, but that like brings me joy, because anyone who knows just dancing makes me happy. Yep. If I'm posting that and for some reason my joy makes you uncomfortable, that's not a me issue. You know, that's something you might want to like if someone else's mm -hmm. joy makes you unhappy, eh, you know, that's not my thing. And so that but it but at another time in my life, if somebody would have judged me i would have thought oh, i'm so embarrassed i'm so ashamed yeah. i'm so oh my gosh you know? well that goes back to unlearn who we're told we're supposed to be you know exactly. it's a really tough one a couple of years ago i came off stage in a in a in a space where i was surrounded by love like this is a conference i had been to for eight years myself and i i probably the probably the largest crowd that i knew the largest number of people in any speaking mm -hmm. engagement i've ever done i mean well over so a couple of thousand people well over half of those people i have had interactions with so that that alone was like a tough i really wanted to do it right 
But that was a really tough stage because as much as a lot of people knew me, there was a lot of people who didn't know that part of me. Yes, yes. And talking, you know, I thought I was scared at Ricky Lake. I was really scared going on to that <laughs> stage. But I also knew this is it. This is like I get to like really like here, here's my raw truth. And one person, well, there's two stories out of this. One person came up to me and he was like, you, you really moved me, but he goes, man, you pushed you, my wife got some buttons pushed with all your infidelity and everything. And that you were kind of crass and like flipping about it. I'm like, I'm crass and flipping about it because that's part of the story of where I was. But obviously that overshadow what came right after the crass and flippant about how right. painful that was and how hurt mm -hmm. I became and how, what a son of a bitch I saw myself. Good note to me as a speaker that I need to create more breath between those two pieces so that that flippant piece doesn't come off as like continuing to sound flippant when I go into the deeper stuff. Right. So that was one thing. But to the point about really moving people and it being about them and whatever they make, that same talk. Next day, because it was a conference where you could message each other through the conference app and everything. I get a message from this gal. I, I really need to share something with you. And I really want to tell you something. I'm like, okay, cool. I went home after your talk and I finally did something I knew I needed to do for a long time. I broke up with my boyfriend. Of course, I'm like, oh my God, I'm a homewrecker again. <laughs> <laughs> and that lasted for about that long. I'm like, yeah, okay. She heard exactly what she needed to do to move something forward. So yeah. Um, so what's some of the, you know, you've gotten the book out, you've done so many things, you've come out, you continue to do, you know, your great stuff with helping others. What's something that you're so proud of, Marcy, that without all of this, you would be regretful that you got to experience now? Ooh, you know what? It, it's funny that you asked that because I really did. I, I feel like, you know, especially women, I'm going to say, you know, we're really told to fear this yep. sort of next chapter and again i'm going to be 53 next month and um and i really do feel like yeah listen i don't love certain things that are you know i see the changes but i'm very grateful to be you know to be given the opportunity to age but i really feel like I'm, i've really just become who i am now and i mm -hmm. think i do think my book was huge for a few reasons i mean for one thing i wasn't really a writer you know i'd never mm -hmm. taken a writing class in my life and the fact that i did it and it was published is it, it validated for so many years, I thought I was worthless. For so yeah. many years, I thought I was worthless. You know, I had two people in my life who made me feel special. And that was my mom and my brother. And I lost my brother when I was 17 and my mom when I was 28. And so it went out, it's been a lot of years since, since I felt like I was worth something. So accomplishing that has been huge. But it was, it honestly, I cannot properly express to anyone who has secrets telling kind of really revealing who I am. And again, having that lead to me being coming out with my sexuality and, and really yeah. kind of knowing myself. It's been huge because I feel like I've learned boundaries. I've learned like, it's really, it's, it's, oh, I can't, I, it sounds so, it, it sounds flippant, but for me, being able to tell the truth, like I am so obsessed with the truth. It's not even funny. Like, you know, and I, and I think what's been so great about that is is the fact that I have these children who, um, you know, when I when I first started speaking out about my book stuff and then about being queer, and I would 
I would do, I, you know, I wrote an article for a magazine and then I was interviewed on TV. Like I don't do anything small. Um, I would, my, my older son's on social media more and I would message him and be like, okay, I'm going to be, I'm going to be on this thing. Like sort of warn him. Is that, yeah, and he'd be yeah. like, oh my God, just, he's like, just do you. If we have a problem, we'll let you know. Like they were just so supportive and just like, and so anyone, like he said at the very beginning, I was so terrified that people were going to say, what a horrible mother. She used to do all these things, you know, and when she was parent. And it's really been the opposite where I think I've shown my kids that you can fuck up, that you can be imperfect. Mm -hmm. You know, but always just be who you want and don't set whether it's a relationship, a job, anything, don't don't ever stay in a situation that isn't right for you, regardless of what other people think. Such a long winded answer. And I don't even think I really answered it. But, no, but, but it's true because it, that, that uh, what I picked truth. up there is that obsession with being in your truth. It's a beautiful uh, it's thing. So, it's so life changing. Like it really is so life changing for somebody like me who really did. I lost all of my self-esteem when I was 17 years old and it wasn't it took until i was 50 to get it back and mm. so i'm so grateful for that mm. and and because of that gratefulness there's a there's an energy that i feel comes to us even in our worst moments i'm i don't think either one of us are saying we're perfect but no. because i've <laughs> learned that i tend to give myself much more grace than i used to I'm still working on giving other people grace because at times I'm the, still the fighter. Like, you know, okay, you're not going to play by this then fuck you. That's kind of <laughs> my truth coming out too. And I'm like, well, you don't get to always do that. And that doesn't always work really well, but it, it has helped me open up to, okay. Empathy is something I really work on a lot. Like mm -hmm. how can I be empathetic to somebody else's situation and see them and really hear them? I still may not agree with them. But how can I step into that other space? And I think that's what you've helped us once again see by just sharing the way you've shared your book um, again. Oh, we haven't talked about in your podcast. I love the name of your podcast. It's so amazingly fabulous. Just like that, that just whole vibe around it. So tell us a little bit about the podcast and why you started that. Well, the podcast came out of the book. So it's called How to Ruin Your Own Reputation. And it was because when I found out that my book was going to be published, I had to make the decision. Am I prepared to risk ruining my reputation with friends, with family, with work stuff by telling my secrets? And, and I had to think about it. And I realized, yeah, I, I was. I, I was finally at a place where I was okay with myself that if people weren't okay with me, I was going to survive. Another time I wouldn't, I wouldn't have done so well. But I was okay with myself. So if other people turned their backs on me, I was going to be okay. And I thought I did that. And then everything yeah. got better. I, I connected with people. People were reaching out to me because they were – even the, though the details of my story were different than theirs, there were still the body image stuff, relationship stuff, shame, guilt. Those are things that we all relate to. And so yeah. it connected me. And I thought, well, I want to do that with other people. And so I, I talk to people, I highlight people who are living lives that other people don't understand, who are often stigmatized or, or criticized. And I show a different perspective on things. And, and oftentimes people will come to it thinking like, I just, for example, I, I, I spoke with a, a woman who is has an, an OnlyFans page and she does some stuff with her husband. And and was there some salacious part? Sure. But she talked a lot about self-esteem and she talked a lot about their relationship. And it was so different than I expected. And I ended up having her husband on. And, and I thought, mm. you know, they don't love the stuff that they do is kind of shocking. However, their the depth of their relationship, the trust and the protection. Listen, I haven't had that in any of my relationships. So I spoke with a um, a career sex worker and we talked about the importance of decriminalizing sex work. Like these are things that 
that people come into with judgment, but if they listen, if they listen, then the judgment drops and at least they're getting to hear the full story. And I I love that. I find that I'm, I'm, I'm getting to meet the most interesting, interesting people that I never would have met otherwise. And I, and I do think that conversation brings understanding. Well, and conversation helps you see somebody else's truth. That's going to reflect to somebody else that their truth isn't as bad as they think it is. And to me, it just becomes the snowball that puts everybody in the right frame of mind to go, again, we're just all human doing the best we can. And each one of us trying to unlearn what we've been told we're supposed to be in the world. And that's a really powerful lesson. So, mm-hmm. okay. So we solved all the world's problems. I think it's time for us to like <laughs> slink away and go do something naughty again. So we can come back in <laughs> 10 years and go, okay, well, guess what okay. we did being 60. <laughs> I actually started a fans. Yeah, yeah. I started a fans only page like for geriatrics. There we go. Okay, boys and girls. Let's go. But, um, awesome. But um, it's been so good to chat with you, Marcy. And I love that you put this out in the world and that you're you're really truly willing to be uncloseted about your truth and who you are. And to show somebody else there's a pathway through, no matter when you think there's no way through, there's always a path. You just gotta trust you yourself. Don't see it. Yeah, you don't exactly. see the light. So, it's there. So thank I you love, for doing what I you love do. that. I just love the last one of the last lines you deliver, delivered about being obsessed with your truth. That's a that's mm-hmm. a I almost was like Oprah just lives a couple hours from me. I almost like I'm gonna go see her and go, <laughs> I got one for you. Here's the Oprah quote, right? Do here. it, do it. So, um, but anyway, it's been great having you on the show, Marcy, and love what you're doing. Keep me posted as other stuff comes up. Um because oh. I think we we would have fun doing this all over again. Yes, I have to visit. I'm going to get my ass to your part of the. Please do. Please do. Yeah. So, all right. Well, thanks again so much. I appreciate you. And I hope listeners, you've appreciated what Marcy just brought to the table. If you want to find her book, you can find it on Amazon, anywhere that is out there. Again, it's The Good Stripper. The Good Stripper, uh, a soccer mom's memoir of lies, laws, and lap dances. Awesome. Thank you so much, Marcy. Thank you. Hey, 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 Life Uncloseted family. Another episode of Life Uncloseted has come to an end, and it is time for all of us to sashay away and go face our fears, make those bold moves, and stand up to living our life without apology. But before you do, I've got a favor to ask of you. Would you hop over to iTunes or Spotify or Podbean or wherever it is that you're listening to this and just give us a little bit of love if you like what we're doing here at Life Uncloseted. Here's what it does. It helps other people find the show. It helps other people get to know what we're all about. And you just might help change life. In fact, if you really want to change a life, we'd love it if you just ask a friend to take a listen and see what they think. So that's it. Love you all deeply. I'm Rick Clemens, the host of Life Uncloseted. And never stop stepping out, stepping up, and stepping in to living your life uncloseted.